So thank you very much indeed for joining me at this Nutri-Ingredients Asia podcast coming to you from the Naturally Good Expo in Sydney where I'm delighted to say I've been joined by Carl Gibson from Complementary Medicines Australia. Hello Carl. Gary, hello. Welcome to Sydney. Thank you very much. I feel incredibly privileged to be talking to you because this is pretty much your last day at the helm of the organisation, the trade body for the industry here in Australia and we're going to look back over your past 10 years. It is 10 years, yes, yes. This is my final day here in Australia. at, uh, at the helm and yes it's been quite a quite a journey over the last uh, decade so yes I, I, I it's been an absolute privilege and a real honor and I thank you and, and the team as well for all your support and friendship over the years well absolutely it's been a pleasure covering the industry over this period because it's it's been a time of really significant change I mean let's start you know with the hard numbers I guess in a sense because the economic growth the size of the industry how it's developed over that last Ten years has been—it's been huge. Well, for me, what's the most interesting thing about that is that when I started the job in 2013, I was told that the vitamins and dietary supplement market was absolutely saturated, and there was no growth there left at all. There's no there's no room for margin for, for growth. What's really interesting is you look back uh, then. We were a three billion dollar industry. Today, we're over six billion. Uh, I think for me, what the most exciting part of that is, is that we now opened up uh, our export markets. So we've gone from near zero in exports to over a billion dollars worth of exports. China, of course, being our biggest export market, 68%. So I think my takeaway from that 10 years is that the industry has really worked well together to actually go into the export markets as Brand Australia. And we're actually delivering consumers with really good, high quality Australian products. Uh, And we've opened up markets in, oh golly, Singapore, uh, China, uh, even you know some some markets I would never expect in my life, such as uh, uh, Iran. Uh, so it's it's been an absolute journey, and it's great to actually see that the industry working together to actually uh, open and support. Uh, those export markets. Yeah, and I think that's what's really shone through, you know, probably since you know 2015 in particular, the growth of the export sector here has been absolutely huge. As you say, driven by China, um, not necessarily the easiest of markets for the industry in, in, in recent years, um, for various geopolitical reasons and, and the slowdown in the Daigo shoppers that you have here sending, sending goods back to China. So how important is it now to really diversify those export markets and where's next? It's interesting you say that because it's China has been our biggest market to date and the, the, the Chinese consumers absolutely love Australian products. Uh, we were delighted to get to the position of number one import of complementary medicines into China. Uh, that's in a, as you said, it's a very complex market, but we have good strategic uh, relationship with the China Chamber of Commerce, and we have a very good uh, partnership uh, with, with, with them, and actually have uh, held the biggest international expo pavilion in Shanghai at Healthplex. So, yeah, we're in a good position with China, but you're absolutely right. We can't always be reliant on one particular market. And of course, the question mark is that everybody's asking, is India the next China? And uh, you think China is a complicated market? Try times by 10 with India. <laughs> so I wish my, my, I wish the incoming uh, chief executive all the best luck in the world. And I hope, he, I hope he's going to be 
our man in Mumbai. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you told him that during the interview process. I'm sure he's looking forward to tapping into those opportunities in India because we have seen, you know, a number of Australian companies start to get a foothold, you know, in the market there in perhaps the past year or two, Blackmore, Swiss in particular. So it's obvious that the industry sees potential there, but as you say, not incredibly easy oh, to the, scale. The, the free trade agreement, uh, the corporate cooperative uh, free trade agreement that we agreed with Australia and we had a good uh, input into that has actually set us clear tariff changes so some of those tariffs will change in three years some of them were five and some of those in seven uh, the reality is that we're actually seeing some tariffs reducing from 70% down to 10% and that opens up the market to our sector it's very difficult to uh, have India as a target when your tariff is 70%, there's no margin in it. Mm. Uh, so for some, for some of our products, the tariffs are low, uh, and over time that'll come down, that'll be, that'll be an, an equal. So the free trade agreement will certainly help us in China, like it has in, has in sorry, it will help us in India like it has in China. Uh, but again, it's, it's about building partnerships, it's about building trust, it's about educating consumers as well. And there's still significant growth that we're seeing in the Southeast Asian markets as well. You oh, know, yeah. Indonesia in particular, Vietnam, Vietnam. Philippines. I yeah. mean, huge growth potential for the sector there. I, I, I'm not going to give you a sneak peek of our industry order, even though I know you'll try and tease that out of me. But we are, we have actually seen huge growth uh, in the Southeast Asian markets. You're absolutely right. But uh, I will tell you that uh, China is now 68% of our exports this year. So in the year of the rabbit, it's actually nice to see our exports bouncing back in China. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, over the last, you know, 10 years, perhaps a bit shorter than that, Carl, as well. We've also seen a huge amount of investment into the industry here in Australia. I mean, we've had some, you know, notable acquisitions, um, you know, companies such as Swiss. We've got the deal with Blackmores that's rumbling away at the moment. There've been others. You mentioned at the start of this, this chat about how brand Australia was so important in driving exports. Is there an element of risk now with such a high level of international ownership? that that could get diluted, do you think? I think we're very fortunate in Australia to actually have one of the strictest uh, regulatory controls in place. So there will always be, uh, I, I think, uh, consumers will always want to have access to the highest quality products. And I, 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 I think you're absolutely right that uh, you, the investment coming in actually will help the industry, not harm it so it's good to see that uh, Australia can be a competitive market I, and I rather hope that the things we've done in in terms of policy have really helped attract those companies in we're the only country in the world that offers market exclusivity for new ingredients and that certainly will help people uh, put uh, new ingredients in the market put new products on the shelves and that leads me on to my next point, which is the regulatory environment here, because that's undergone significant change during your, your tenures at the helm. I'm guessing that's probably one of the, the biggest achievements when you look back, what you were able to achieve yeah, in terms of the, the landscape. It was absolutely a massive achievement. Look, we, we had a regulatory system that was 25 years old, so it was inevitable at some point it was going to need uh, a refresh. Uh, and it was always a progressive regulatory system uh, when you compare it to those uh, around the world. Uh, but the new regulatory system we have, of course it's going to have teething problems, every, every new regulatory system does, but fundamentally it's actually taking out erroneous, erroneous non-compliance, which is good. Uh, we have uh, the traditional evidence claims, 1,100 traditional evidence claims, which were secured. Uh, and we, we've actually got in the legislation the ability to protect uh, clinical trials, so no more copy 
cuts and the ability to actually have market exclusivity for new ingredients. So we were the first to market with uh, new ingredients and new products. And I think that's a fantastic uh, regulatory uh, environment. So, you know, it is, it is the envy of everybody around the world. And that's, that's a good legacy. Absolutely. And that market exclusivity is really important, but also, you know, what you were able to, to achieve around the higher level health claims. And we're starting to see some more activity around that. For people who might not be too familiar, tell, give, give us a bit more info on what that actually entails and what companies will be able to do. Sure. So this is the uh, new uh, regulatory pathway, the first. Uh, we've been campaigning for this regulatory pathway for 20 years, which is the ability to uh, make uh, high level claims if you hold high levels of evidence. Uh, so it, it moves you into the ability to actually make claims for treatment, which is a really good step forward. Uh, it's called OST uh, Listed Assessed, so the TJ will actually assess the evidence uh, pre-market. Uh, they will agree the claims uh, when looking at the evidence and also there is the ability to use a, a, a marker on your product, uh, which is TJ Assessed, which is a really good way to, to to actually educate the consumer that the TJ has actually reviewed the evidence for this particular product. Uh, and I think probably one of the criticisms that we have as an industry is the over-reliance on traditional evidence claims. So I've always been an evidence-based uh, uh, person, as you know, and always wanted to promote the evidence base of complementary medicines. And with the protection of clinical trials, I think this gives industry uh, the assurance that uh, it can invest in clinical trials and get higher level claims to put on those products. So that's uh, again, it's a slow process as these things always are, but it's a, it's a, it's it's a step in the right direction. We have we have I know we have uh, some products coming out very very soon, uh, which will go through that assessed pathway. So that's very that's very exciting. Absolutely, watch this space. So um, you know you mentioned there the the kind of I guess the. The confidence that this regulation can give consumers here in Australia that the products have been pre-assessed by the TGA, um, the, the regulator here of course, but I think when you look back over your, your last 10 years, how has the consumer landscape in Australia changed and are their needs and I guess their level of industry understanding and their demands, is that increasing as, as time has gone on? I think we've learned that consumers now know after COVID and during COVID who the TGA are and I think that's the, that's the biggest takeaway from me. Most folks didn't understand we actually had a regulator uh, who looked after the sector for complementary medicines and medicines and also uh, uh, it's done I think a great deal of good actually having that level of uh, uh, awareness in the regulator so to be fair we actually in Australia have one of the very highest levels of uh, health literacy in the world so we've always had savvy consumers uh, any trip into a pharmacy or a chemist warehouse will demonstrate that high level of uh, savvy consumer uh, so I think I think consumers are getting more savvy and I think that's the advancement of technology and social media uh, so yeah our, 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 our challenge is to uh, keep up with that task but also protect protect the industry from that uh, uh, possibility of illegal products coming into the market via social media. And that's something we've been working on as an industry association partnership with a regulator, making sure that we uh, target those illegal products to actually protect consumers uh, from, from that rising tide of illegal products. Mm. And, you know, we spoke a, a few minutes ago about the international involvement, the overseas investment that's coming into the, the, the industry here. Um, but, you know, I think what Australia is known for 
so well is its manufacturing capability, its manufacturing standards. How crucial is it, no matter what happens in terms of takeovers and so on, yeah. um, that that manufacturing commitment that continues to take place here in Australia? Absolutely, 100%, because the, every single factory isn't just GMP, it's also TGA uh, assessed and audited. And it is that level of uh, uh, reputation that actually helps, I think, uh, consumers from all around the world know that Australian products are the best products uh, on the shelves. Uh, so f for me personally, I think it is the absolute, the main uh, steadfast uh, position of the industry to actually have a manufacturing uh, capability that is absolutely trustworthy. We manufacture to pharmaceutical standards. We're the only country in the world that does that. Yes, it's a higher cost, but it's also a higher reputation and it's also higher quality. So as we wind up, Carl, let me ask you a personal question. Um, don't worry, it's not that personal. But, um, you know, when you look back over your time here, when you reflect on the achievements that you've made, um, I guess, what's the one thing you're going to miss the most when you, uh, when you finally put your feet up in the sunshine with a gin and tonic? What are you going to miss the most? Oh, golly, that's, that's a really hard question because it is, I think I've been very privileged to work in this industry, especially for the last decade, which has been tremendous. It's been an absolute privilege for me to represent the industry. I will miss the friendship and the camaraderie because I don't think you get this in any other sector, uh, in, 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 in any other industry. Uh, we, we, you know, as a complementary medicines industry, we actually work on behalf of consumers. It is we want to see consumers improve their health through our products. And I don't think you get that camaraderie and that friendship anywhere else in the world in any other sector. So that's what I miss about it, is the people and the friendship and, and the laughs and the fun. Absolutely. And what won't you miss? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, you know, the, having to do interviews <laughs> like this. You know, it's been a real pleasure. Oh, you know, this is, and I have to say, it has been a privilege, but it has been my whole life. Uh, every single day, every single hour of every day, there's no such thing as a day off in this in this job. So uh, it's going to be nice to reintroduce myself to friends and family. Absolutely. Well, we've really enjoyed working with you, Carl. We've really appreciated all of your support, your advice, your insights over the years. You'll be sorely missed, but, you know, keep reading Nutri-Ingredients <laughs> and, uh, you know, where we are if you have a story to tell oh, or a tip thank off Thank you, Gary. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Carl, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Gary.